Well, last week we looked at the last part of verse number 10 and watched as Christ told the disciples as he explained this format of prayer that they should pray, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You may remember that I reminded us uh, last week that in the realm of heaven, the inhabitants do exactly as they are instructed to do as quickly as they are instructed to do it. In heaven, there is no arguing, there is no second guessing, there is no rebelling against the uh, spoken word or the authority of God. It is complete and immediate obedience. And Christ was saying to the disciples that that is what we should be praying for, for this uh, earth here, that the inhabitants of the earth would uh, do his will in the same manner in which it is performed in heaven, which means this, the prayer should be of you and I that people would do God's word and do what God would will immediately without the arguing, without the second guessing, without the rebellion, because disobedience, as we talked about last week, always breeds conflict. And there is always conflict between the disobedient toward God and God. And so we need to pray for obedience because that eliminates the conflict, that eliminates the tension. You and I should have a burden for people to live in obedience to God's word. I want to say again, it is silly for us to think we should not have a burden for obedience in the lives of Christians and in the lives of fellow believers. It should be a burden of ours. But as I said, I want to repeat also this thought that before we get too worried about anyone else's obedience to God's will, we need to make sure that that's a burden for our own personal life. And God, do I have a burden to obey you immediately and completely when you would tell me and when you would make known to me what your will is for my life? So that was last week. This evening we're going to continue in verse number 11 where Christ said to pray in this manner or to pray after this manner, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I want to talk about something for just a moment. It would be true of my children. It would be true of, I think, most children in this room. And I think you'll understand where all this is headed. I'm just trying to get our thoughts headed down a particular direction. So just stay with me. But I think most of you would agree that if you were to look at my children, again, as I would look at most children in this room, you would say and you would be of the mindset that my kids are fairly well taken care of. And what I mean by that is this, unless they've been outside playing and being kids, they're not just dirty, unkept kids. You understand what I'm saying? They're, they're not those kids that everybody's like, oh man, you know, they're, they're, they're well kept, they're not dirty, they're clean, um, they're, they're not going hungry on a regular basis or just eating junk food all the time because we don't take care of them by way of dietary needs, you understand that? They're, they're, they're getting to eat well, like again, most of your kids, I would assume, get to eat well. Uh, we're, we're trying to ensure that they're getting an education, Amen. you know, so that they're not ignorant in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And, and uh, so I, I would say it's just my opinion, and, and I, I would hope that you would agree, that, that my kids are well taken care of but at the same time, that does not mean that my children never have needs. Now, now, again, follow this. They're taken care of, but my kids have needs, needs like this. Well, because we like for our children to have fresh breath, every once in a while they run out of toothpaste. So Susie will ask the question every week, is there anything you need from Walmart? 
So they may say something like this, I need some toothpaste. And guess what? That is a legitimate need at our house. If you do not have toothpaste, that is a legitimate need. Do not think that that is optional. You let us know if you need toothpaste. Uh, because we like our kids to have clean hair. Shampoo is not one of those optional things. Okay, so if you're out of shampoo, you be sure and let mom know before she goes to the store because we will gladly buy that for you. And the same would be true of saline solution for their contacts. And, and on and on and on it would go. Uh, every once in a while, Susie will tell me something like this. The kids need new shoes. They've worn out the old pair or they've outgrown the old pair. They need a new pair of jeans. They need some new T-shirts. And whenever that word is used in that context, here is what we recognize from our family, from our perspective, that while they are taken care of, there are still needs that need to be met. And so long as God gives us the resources to meet these needs, guess what we're going to do? We will meet them. We will continue to buy them toothpaste, deodorant, shampoo, saline, clothes that fit. We'll continue to make sure their laundry is clean and that the hairbrushes are not lost forever. We are going to make sure that the kids are well taken care of and that the kids are neat and clean and getting an education and all that other stuff. We do not mind doing that. But I think you know this to be true also when you're dealing with children, that sometimes their needs versus their wants get confused. They would say something like this, I need a new DVD from Walmart. Well, it, it may be that you want a new DVD, but you do not need a new DVD. All of y'all have iPads. Every one of you have, you know, the, this ability to pull up games and stuff on your phones and on your tablets, whatever it is. I mean, to say that you need another source of entertainment, that's not a need. That, my friend, is a want. As we're walking through the mall and we walk by Claire's or we walk by certain stores, you know, it could be that I need this. No, sweetie, you do not need that. That is a want. Now, do my kids have provided for them far more than what they need? Of course they do. They have been given far more than what they need, so sometimes they confuse their wants with their needs. But here's the thing, if, if at all possible, I am going to make sure that their needs are met. Just as you, I trust, would say tonight that you would do whatever it takes to meet the needs of your children or your grandchildren, whatever those true needs may be. Now, Tonight, as we think about that, I want us to think about life 2,000 years ago. Would we agree that life 2,000 years ago looks a bit different than life looks today? Well, obviously it does. I mean, if you think about it, uh, back then their, their living conditions probably looked a little bit different than ours. You probably didn't just have row after row after row after row of houses, and you probably didn't see two-car garages, and you probably didn't see the, the nice kitchens like we enjoy today. You probably didn't see the closets packed full of clothes like we generally have these days. I mean, if you were to go back to their day and their time and the manner in which they lived, uh, without question, they lived differently than us. And in many ways, I think you and I would be quick to agree that they had it more difficult than we have it today. I do not want to go back in time and live in the days 
of, of the Bible days. That, that's not what I long to do. If I were going to go back anywhere, it would simply be to the Westerns just because it looks neat on TV, but I'm not even sure I'd enjoy it very long. I just, I, I just know this. I don't want to go back to the days of Scripture and live how they live because I do enjoy all the modern conveniences that we have today. However, while life is easier and simpler for us in many ways, we need to keep in mind that the people who lived in the days of Christ, many of them were very smart, they were hardworking, they were very resourceful, and for their day, there were many people who were able to live quite well. Now, again, compared to how we live today, we would say, well, that was still very uh, poor by way of advancement, that it was not very... Uh, sophisticated in its means or in its approach to life. But, but understand for just a moment, for the people living back then, 2,000 years ago, they didn't know what would be available today. And so for them, there were many who truly believed and were, in comparison, living the good life. Well, how do we know? Well, what do we often refer to the young ruler as? The rich young ruler. Now, I mean, think about that. We don't know what it was that identified him as rich, but we could assume it had something to do with finances and probably had something to do by way of possessions. So here's a man who seemingly lived better than many people in the society that he was a part of, but it doesn't mean that just because things were harder back then that everyone had to live these difficult, you know, awful lives. No, there were people who enjoyed what was considered back then the good life. Think about the rich man who fared sumptuously every day. He was living pretty good compared to Lazarus. There was a disparity in how one was living. One was living a miserable existence. The other one was doing quite well every day. There was the one young man who said this, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And I'll say to myself, eat, drink, and be merry. And Christ himself spoke of the prodigal son. And what did the prodigal son say whenever he came to his senses? He said, I'll return to my father. Why? Because my father has bread enough to eat and to spare. So here's the prodigal son, and here's what he recognizes as he reflects on home. Listen, if I were to just go back home, here's what I would be a part of. I would be a part of where there is not just the need met, but I mean there is an excess of what is needed. There is enough bread there to feed me, and there would be leftovers. So again, keep this in mind, that back in the days of Christ, there were people who lived quite well for themselves. But did they have poor people? Well, of course they did. I mentioned it this morning in our Sunday school class. Christ said himself that the poor will always be a part of society. We will never win the war on, po on poverty. There are always going to be poor people in a part of every culture, in a part of every generation. Poverty or, or a lack of wealth People being poor, that is always going to be present. To pretend that somehow we'll get away from it or, or eliminate it, it's just not being honest. Now, now, why do I say that? Well, the disciples, were they lazy individuals? 
I would say no. They were fishermen and they were hard workers and, and they were laborers for, for the most part. And so I would say that these men were not lazy. I would say they were hardworking. I would say they were resourceful. I would say they were men who knew how to handle themselves. I mean, if you think about it, they had to own boats, some of them, for their occupation. They had to own the things that went with that. We know that they owned homes that, that Christ would enter into and, and, and have meals with. So, I mean, it's not as though Christ was just walking through the streets and saw some homeless people and said, Hey, listen, you've got nothing else better going on in life. Why don't you follow me? No, these were men who knew how to work, who knew knew how to provide, who knew how to take care of themselves, and these men were not destitute by any stretch of the imagination. So here is Christ, and he is saying to the disciples that when you pray, you pray after this manner, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, Give us this day our daily bread. Now what does that indicate? It indicates this, that while people in the days of Christ would have lived well, while people in the days of Christ would have lived well compared to many others living in their time, that does not mean that people did not run across at different times legitimate needs in their life. So in many regards, they were well taken care of, but it did not mean that they did not have seasons of life or moments of life where they had needs in their life. So what kind of needs would these men have? could be anything, could it not? I don't know about you, but whenever I think of someone being in need, generally my immediate thought goes to that of a financial need. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's what happens. Whenever I think of someone who is in need, I think of someone who does not have the financial resources to meet all the specific needs they may have. So is it possible that from time to time they had financial needs? Well, I think it's possible being in the ministry of the Lord where you have left the profession that you have known and you're about to enter into a different area of life. Yes, they would have everything met for them while serving the Lord. I understand that. But, but there could still be moments and there could still be times, especially far after Christ was gone, that they could find themselves in some kind of a financial pinch, some kind of a financial bind and thus be in need. But not just financial need. It could have been health needs. I mean, think about it. Back then, not everything was as sanitary as it is today. Sickness could have been a little bit more prevalent. And getting rid of the sickness could have been a little bit more difficult to do than it is today. You didn't just run down to the drugstore and say, I'll take some of this and take some of this, and I'm going to take something out of Grandma's cabinet and, you know, what we sometimes do today and doctor ourselves and get ourselves well. They could have had health needs. They could have had safety needs. It's not as though it were as safe back then as it is today. It was a different world by way of safety. Spiritual needs. You cannot serve the Lord forever and not have a spiritual need from time to time. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a disciple walking with Christ or, or, or a lay person or whomever. If you are trying to serve the Lord on a daily basis, you will have spiritual needs in your life at some point. 
So here is Christ, and without question, the disciples were well taken care of. Without question, their needs were being met. But Christ was also aware of this, that while you are well taken care of, while you're not destitute, while you're not poverty-stricken, while you're not quote-unquote poor maybe, you will still have needs in life that need to be met. So what did Christ say to do? He said to pray this, that you would give us this day our daily bread. What does it mean when Christ said, give us this day our daily bread? Well, think about this for just a moment. To whom is the prayer directed? To God our Father. Now, now follow this. Disciples, there are going to be days, there are going to be seasons of life where you will find yourself in need. Yes, you're taken care of. Yes, you're provided for. But there are going to be legitimate needs that arise in your life. So here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you go to the Father when in that time of need. Well, wouldn't that be obvious? Well, it could be obvious if there were not other avenues that they could exercise first. I got an overwhelming response, so let me explain. For as long as we can tell, there have always been creditors, lenders, which means this. For as long as we can tell, there has always been a borrower. I mean, even God gave the Jews laws on how to be the right kind of a lender to those who would be the borrower. There was a right way and a wrong way in which to do these financial transactions. Now think about this for just a moment. The disciples could easily at some point with themselves or with their families or the work of the ministry, whatever it may be, they could find themselves in the midst of a financial bind, in the midst of a financial pinch for reasons out of their control, for reasons that they really had nothing to say or do about it, and they could find themselves in this financial need. And if they were not careful, they could quickly resort to a world's approach to getting their financial needs met. Man, I'm in a financial bind. I'm in a financial pinch. Things are tight right now. Things aren't happening the way I thought they were going to happen. The finances aren't coming in the way they were last month or whatever it may be. And so what am I going to do? I will do what everyone else does. I'll go down to the local creditor, to the local lender, and I'll get myself a 30-day payday loan. When my crop comes in, I'll pay it back. When the fishing industry comes back, I'll be sure and pay it off. Now, now listen, I, I'm not saying that it's wrong to incur some debt, but what I am saying is this. Christ was saying to, to the disciples that when you find yourself in legitimate need, here's what you do. You take the need to the Father. Amen. Disciples, what about health needs? Does anyone remember a woman who had had an issue of blood for 12 years? What does the scripture say she had done? The scripture says that she had spent all of her money on physicians looking for a healing, looking for some kind of a remedy, correct? 
It wasn't until she finally made her way to the presence of Christ and touched the hem of his garment that he was able to heal her, that she was able to get a remedy from that which was plaguing her. Now, I want us to think about this. And again, don't I know you wouldn't, but I'm just going to say this in case the wrong person were to hear this. I know that you know that I'm not preaching against doctors and physicians, okay? That would be stupid for me to preach against. I believe in them, and I believe God uses them to help people. Okay, I believe that with everything in me, but I would say this, whenever you and I are battling sickness, whenever you and I are battling illness, what did Christ say to the disciples needed to take place? He said this, you need to take that to the Father. Now, now, I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself, I'll just go ahead and do it because I've already done it. So, again, whether it be in the financial ranks, whether it be in the ranks of health, whatever it is, whenever you and I would have a need, the application is pretty simple. We take it to the Father rather than doing the immediate response, which would sometimes be a worldly response. Have there ever been... Examples of people in need of spiritual direction, spiritual wisdom, spiritual insight. Well, the answer again would be yes. You may remember the story of Saul, the king. He, he had a time, did he not, of spiritual need in his life? Somebody says, well, that's Old Testament. Well, I don't think Saul was too worried about it at the moment. That, that was a spiritual need in his life, and he wasn't saying, well, we're in a, a different dispensation. No, he was in a need for some spiritual direction. He wanted some spiritual answers, and we know that he did not turn to God, right? What did he do? He turned to a witch to pull up the spirit of Samuel in hopes of getting some kind of spiritual guidance, some kind of spiritual direction, some kind of an answer for the predicament he was in. Now again, what is Christ saying to the disciples? He is saying this, listen, there are legitimate needs, and it's not just the need of daily bread, the food, because they didn't know where their next meal would come from, but what he is saying is this, listen, there are needs that are going to arise, and when they arise, you want to take them to the Father. Whenever you and I have spiritual needs, we need to be very careful where we go to get those needs met. When you're hungry spiritually, you don't need to go to the ungodly for that spiritual direction and that spiritual nourishment. When you're hungry spiritually, when you have a need in your spirit, when you have a need in in your relationship with the Lord, you need to be very careful as to where you go to get that need met because you can take it to a, a worldly source and get a worldly response and the true need will not be met. This makes sense? Whether it be a financial need, whether it be a, a spiritual need, whether it be a health need, or any other need that may arise in our lives, we are told, take this to the Father. Question. We know this, do we not? We do. But how many of us would have to admit that sometimes we're kind of like children? And we get our wants and our needs all confused. I've been guilty many times. God, I need this. That's strange. I don't think you do. 
Well, God, I need this. I, really, I don't believe you do. See, Kyle, that's not a need. That's a want. Now, I'll take care of your needs. Don't worry. And trust me, Kyle, you've already got far more than you need. But don't come to me with that and try selling me on the idea that that's a need. That is just an extra want. I can't go to God and say, God, I need a new suit. When my closet is so full of suits right now that I really don't have room for another suit. Right now, I could, and I'm not hinting, I'm, not, I'm just, just saying it by way of illustration. Right now, I could say, Lord, I, I need a new pair of dress shoes. Why? Because the shoes that I've got on right now, there's a big hole across the seam or the, the sole of it, and, and you can stick your finger up in there and play with my socks and all sorts of other stuff. I, I wondered the other day, I wonder why my feet are wet. I, I didn't, oh, wow, that's why my feet are wet. Now, see, I can go to God at that point and say, God, I could use some new shoes. But for me to just say, well, God, I need a new suit. No, I don't need a new suit. I don't need another new tie. I've got a hundred of them in my closet. I can't go to the Lord and say, God, I need this or God, I need this. But if I'm not careful, I'll get confused as to what my needs are versus what my wants are. And I'll start trying to tell God that my wants are needs. And every once in a while, I have to be reminded like my kids need to be reminded. Uh, no, that, that's not a need. What the problem is, is you're so spoiled that you now perceive that to be a need. When in, all that, when in fact, all that ever was, was me just blessing you more than you really needed. See, I know you know this, every one of us are well taken care of, right? I mean, every one of us are doing fairly well. The poorest poor person in here is doing better than the majority of people living in the world today. I mean, the fact that you've got a home, the fact that you've got a car, the fact that we can go to a grocery store and buy groceries, I mean, we're doing better than the average person living in the world today. And so we've got to be very, very careful to not get our wants and our needs confused or else he can remind us real quickly that wasn't a want or that wasn't a need, but that was a want. But I want us to notice something else about this verse. He said, give us this day our daily bread. What does it mean to give us this day our need, our daily bread? It means this, God, I, I want you to take care of the need that I have right now. See, there are immediate needs. And there are perceived long-term needs that may not ever come to fruition as true, legitimate needs. Does that make sense? See, Christ said to the disciples, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on today's needs, whatever they may be, not future needs. See, when Susie says to the kids, do you need anything? And they say, I need toothpaste. She only buys one tube of toothpaste. Not 25 tubes of toothpaste based upon future need will address future need as it comes up, but don't ask right now for something in the future. You need a new pair of shoes right now, children. Okay, I'll buy you shoes that fit you right now, but unless it's just a super incredible cheap deal, I'm not buying you shoes for three years down the road. 
We did do that when we knew the kids were going to keep growing and the shoes were cheap and, hey, they'll grow into them. This is a good deal. But what I'm saying is this. Whenever the kids come to us today with a need, what I want them to tell me is what they need right now, what, not what they think they need in the future. Because what they may think they need today for the future may not ever present itself as a true need in their lives. I told Susie the other day, and, and some of y'all may disagree with this, I apologize if I sound a bit more carnal, but I said to Susie, there are some things that I'll never be able to say in life, and one of them is this, is that from the moment our children were born, I began praying for their spouse. I just haven't. Because I wanted him to get potty trained first. You know what I mean? I figure they're not looking too attractive to anyone if they're not potty trained. I want them to know how to feed themselves. So I'm just praying for wisdom. When do we teach them how to feed themselves? And, and, and I want them to know how to comb their hair. And I want them to know how to carry on a conversation. And, and so I, I said to Susie a few weeks ago, that doesn't mean I'm not going to pray about it. But there are just certain things that I'm not praying about right now. Because I don't know if that will ever even become a need in their life. Because I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know the direction that God's going to take in their lives. And so it's one of those things, pray for what I need, what I know I need today, not in the future. Now, I'm not opposed to planning ahead. Please don't take that wrong. But here's what I'm trying to communicate today or tonight, and that is this. I'm not praying about my retirement I'm too young to be worried about that right now. Every st month I get the statement and it shows that I have this much amount of money in my IRA. Some days I'm encouraged, other times I'm discouraged. But I can't let that be something that I go to God with and say, God, would you please meet this need? Because the Lord could return before that need ever needs to be met. So why do I need to worry about something and ask God to do something based upon what I perceive to be a need? See, sometimes we get so wrapped up worrying about the future that we let the present move right by us. And we're not praying for today's needs because we're praying in light of tomorrow's or some other time's need in our life. I'm not going to pray for my long-term health right now. Why? Because I just want to be healthy today. I'm not going to pray for safety in 10 years. I just want to be safe today. Now, I understand if something's coming up next week, you can begin praying for it now. There's nothing wrong with that. You understand what I'm saying, though. The idea is this. Pray that today's needs would be met. So whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be spiritual, whatever the need may be, let it be that need that you take to the Father and not to a worldly source. Take the need to the Lord and say, Lord, here's the need. And make sure that when you go to God with the need, that it's truly a need and not just an excess want. 
I think, I think it's possible to this point, if, if you and I have implemented this in our prayer life, if we weren't doing it before, we can begin to see a difference in how we're praying. Again, you may have already been praying this way because of your awareness and your understanding, but, but it's possible that if in the last few weeks you've been paying attention to this and you've been wanting to apply it to your life, you would be able to say something like this, you know what, I've, I've been praying more, period. But I've been more willing to go to God about things in general, and I've been willing to go to God and, and, and ask Him to do this and to ask Him to do this, and that's wonderful and that's great. And so now here's something else that you can implement into the prayer life. God, here's the need for today. God, I perceive this to be a need, and I want to be careful to not be presumptuous, and I, I, I want to be careful to not just assume that it's a need because I said it's a need. But, God, here, here's what I believe to be a need in my life right now, not the future. And, God, I'm asking you to meet the need. That's how we're supposed to pray. Obviously, there's more coming in the next few weeks. But that gives us something else to be mindful of. God, it's today's needs that I need met. And should you tell me that that's a want and not a need, please help me to just respond appropriately to it. If I'm responding poorly because I'm so spoiled already as it is, would you help me to just accept, okay, that wasn't a need. And I'm going to keep on trucking with a good attitude and a good heart and a good spirit. Why? Because you've already taken better care of me than what I deserve. And so, God, as these little needs come up, I'm just asking you to meet them in the way that only you can. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd come, uh, help us tonight as we come to you uh, in our daily prayer lives. Lord, to, again, be careful in the manner.